Thanks so much for joining me on Two Age Sojourner Podcast. Great to be with you on Mondays. More to come. Oh boy, Meredith Monday. Isn't that a great way to start the week? I mean, if you're a Kleinian nerd like me, it's just the best. Now, what I want to do with you is just think a little bit about why it is that uh, Klein gets me into such a good mood whenever I think about him. Like I said before, Monday is, you know, it's kind of an average day for me in that I usually am on this uh, just juggernaut of an adrenaline come down or whatever it is from Sunday. Whatever happens to me on Sunday, it stops happening on Monday. And I just, I, I find myself constantly left in the pits um, for whatever reason. I don't, nothing, nothing wrong or it's just, it's just the way I roll. Um, but like I said, you know, if I open up some really hardcore little bit of theology from Meredith Klein, I don't know what it does. Maybe it's just that he writes in such a uh, a way that he gets me thinking thoughts outside of myself and uh, certainly, certainly points me to Jesus in ways that blow my mind afresh. And I think that's basically what it comes down to. Um, you know, he'll, he'll, the same passage that I was looking at, let's say it was in, uh, uh, certainly if it's in Genesis or if I'm just reading through uh, some part of his commentary that I haven't read through before or uh, just some random comment often, He'll, um, in the process, just just blow your mind in terms of like, oh, that's what that's about. And that's why that thing connects with uh, the other thing and that thing. And oh, my goodness, all of a sudden, all those slightly random points of scripture all of a sudden become supremely important. And yeah, that's just the paradigm shift you're constantly going through. Uh, when you are reading through his material. So, I mean, you can't, you end up in a state of worship. <laughs> That's, I think, what gets me into a better place uh, by reading through Klein. Now, with that in mind, um, I do want to basically kind of get onto thinking some more substantive thoughts of uh, of his material. And uh, for that, I've got Chris Kahi, who is going to be joining us. And I'm actually meeting with him via Zoom tonight. And uh, we'll record a whole bunch of, uh, of Meredith Mondays. And I'll be posting them up on Mondays as we go. So I'm very excited about that. And I'm very grateful to Chris for joining me. He is a supreme Kleinian expert. And uh, if you haven't already, go go and check out Glory Cloud Podcast to see him in action. Um, otherwise, uh, if you need a little bit of a front door, I think Meredith Mondays would be good. Um, Glory Cloud's pretty intense and you get straight into it. You deal with the actual text. I'm hoping in these sessions just to kind of provide a little bit of a front door to Kleinian thinking, make his thinking even that much more accessible uh, in terms of what we're hearing on Glory Cloud. So, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't want to in any way usurp or take over or not like I would anyway, but uh, I, I don't want to get in the way of what they're doing in Glory Cloud. I want to help it, basically. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, that with so many other things as well, as we have said over and over again, this podcast is about promoting uh, Kleinian theology, Reformed theology, confessional theology, two-kingdom theology, pilgrim theology. These are the things we want to be about. And uh, just another voice out there that's uh, pushing that pristine, excellent Reformed theology is uh, is a good thing, I think. And so um, 
I'm going to ask Chris uh, in the weeks to follow just exactly what Kleinian theology is, uh, as we've already uh, mentioned. That's an important question to start off with. I'm going to ask him also what he feels has been most beneficial to him about uh, studying Meredith Klein or, you know, Chris actually sat under Meredith Klein's uh, lectures um, and so got to know him personally and uh, we'll have interesting stories for us to share uh, to share with us at least, um, I'm sure. But uh, I thought maybe then what I'd do just to get ready for that is uh, not, and not take up too much of the time there when Chris tells us that sort of thing. Uh, I'll, I'll give you a little bit of a, a splurb on what I have found helpful theologically, just some of the big picture ideas. Uh, perhaps you're struggling with those things. Perhaps you're interested in these things, and, and uh, this will get your attention if, if you are. The, uh, the first thing I think that I really and truly benefited from Klein in was, uh, I, and I have to be honest on this, was jumping into the, the, the Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, uh, at least uh, verse chapter 2 uh, issue. And uh, the whole framework theory. I actually, that's how I got hold of, of Klein. I think that, if I'm not mistaken, that's what led me to Meredith Klein, as I think it is for, for most people who didn't sit under his ministry. Uh, Klein is kind of famous for his framework view. And um, if you don't know what that is, it's, it's basically a way of understanding Genesis 1 uh, in a non-literal way. And, and just hear me out, that doesn't mean not historical, because I know you know all the camp. Ken Hamites out there are just kind of freaking and bursting into flame even as I say that. Just relax, be cool, everyone's cool. Um, I'm not saying non-historical, I'm not saying Adam's not a real person, uh, I'm not saying any of those things. Uh, what I'm simply saying is that in chapter 1, there seems to be a greater point than simply pointing out uh, something literal. Uh, there's, there's a literary framework, and you know, that's, that's interesting in and of itself, and I'm sure we'll, we might actually even spend a few sessions on that because that is such a front door for people to think about uh, Klein's work. Uh, typically, when you say Meredith Klein, people will say, oh, yeah, the framework guy or something like that, uh, the framework theory guy. Well, um, Beyond the actual literary framework itself and, and all the insights in uh, Klein's exegesis there, uh, I think the thing that really got me was the way that it, from the very beginning, started to paint a picture and develop a story that stays a cohesive whole all the way through to the book of Revelation. Um, it just it felt to me like, as I got a hold of that point, Genesis in chapter 1, and the last chapter of Revelation uh, all of a sudden just got glued together. That, that was the power of, of uh, thinking along those lines for me. Um, the reason for that is it introduces God as the one who created everything, created, He is God, He created us, and then once He had finished creating everything, he enters into his own Sabbath glory. He enters into a state of rest and summons man to come to him, initially through the covenant arrangement made in the garden, uh, as Reformed theologians call it, the covenant of works. And as we know, man fails to work to emulate God so as to enter into this rest that he had created for man. 
and thus begins the whole drama of Revelation. Uh, this, uh, the drama of redemption, at least, and, and Revelation included. Uh, now we need a second Adam, a last Adam, one who achieves what Adam failed to achieve, which is the book of Revelation. And all of a sudden, uh, the, the tree is held out to us and we indeed enter into the very rest, the very Sabbath glory that God created for man right at the beginning. But man has failed again and again to enter into. Um, I mean, that alone right there. I mean, I've got a, a whole lot of other points in terms of, maybe we'll talk about this um, in the next session, but but there's some other important things Klein has done for me in terms of just gluing stuff together. But I mean, wow, that's chapter one. That's like the first thing you think about. All of a sudden, the lights just go on. A total paradigm shift. Now, I know Klein is not the only one that has said that, but uh, he does so in a powerful way by emphasizing the, liter the literary, excuse me, the literary framework. Um, yeah, try, try, my two speech impediments uh, come out big time when, it, when I have to say literary <laughs> and when I have to say parallelism. Ooh. Um, but, you know, when he emphasizes that framework view, that theology is what gets your attention. It's all of a sudden not about how old is the earth or how young is the earth or how many dinosaur fossils can we find and, you know, what about this dinosaur fossil? And It's almost like that's just not even the point. The point is to set it up for the Bible story. Now, you can deal with the other stuff and that, but just don't lose that. Um, and if we lose that, that's the problem. And, you know, that's why I think why we need to uh, think about what he says. All right, whoa, I'm out of time. That's it for me. Thanks for joining me on Meredith Monday. <music>